Hey everybody, today I want to start by welcoming this um, big influx of new listeners that we've gotten recently. I've, I've seen not only the viewership numbers, but the Spotify follows, um, people who are following us on LinkedIn and seeing some of the jobs we're posting. Um, so if you haven't you know, done that or, or that's something you're interested in doing one or the other, would encourage you to do that. But for a lot of folks who are newer to the program and have heard a lot of the interviews we've done recently, a lot of the deep dives that we've done, I'm realizing that that some people, you know, didn't see some of the original content that was kind of core to the mission that we actually set out to do. So on today's episode, I'm actually going to re-air the first of the technicals episodes that I recorded with uh, Blaze and Olivia way back in the summer. Um, and this is an intro to the three statements. So for folks who are here, you know, not only wanting to get kind of inside scoop on, you know, the industry, learning some of the jargon, how a lot of this stuff works, hearing from people who've gone through the interview process, hearing live mock interviews on the show, we do all of that. But we also go deep into explaining every component of all the technicals that you'll need to break into finance. And you'll see those episodes, they're labeled like technicals in all caps at the start of all the episodes. Um, so today I wanna re-air one of those intro to the three statement episodes, it's episode five. And if that sort of content is new and interesting and relevant for you, I'm not gonna repost all these, but I encourage you just to go back to you know episode six and start re-listening to some of those because I do think it is immensely valuable. And to my knowledge, it's the only place where you're gonna get access to stuff like this. For free. Um, so that is what we're going to talk about today. And then on a couple of the upcoming episodes as we wrap out the year, I am going to you know step back and spend some time talking not only about kind of you know a meta episode about the podcast and and where it's been, and and then also you know where I hope it's going to continue to go for 2024. So stay tuned for that, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Welcome to the Breaking Into Finance podcast. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to episode five of the Breaking Into Finance podcast. And this is a really important episode because today we're beginning a deep dive into the technicals. This is really the foundation of this whole podcast because now we're really diving into that hidden knowledge that until now has never been available for free. This is the type of things that if you go to an elite school that has a ton of alumni at these big banks that you know they'll connect and talk with you and network with you and they'll kind of coach you up and help kind of pre-explain a lot of these things in informational interviews that happen before the actual interview process. So my hope now is basically to distill all of the things that I would teach across dozens of informational interviews and give that to you for free over the course of the next few episodes. And this is also the launch to that end of the most unique component of our podcast, which is that I've curated a curriculum that spans everything from basic accounting and the three financial statements to valuation methodologies. And to keep me in check and make sure I'm going at the right pace, I'm fortunate to actually have two real student learners along with us. Like I said, I want to help you through this podcast simulate dozens of informational interviews with analysts so that you can improve your understanding of these topics in a risk-free environment and at your own pace and set you up for success when you actually are able to connect and make those calls. 
So now I'm thrilled to welcome and introduce our two real current students with whom I've recorded dozens of hours of coaching and education on a variety of finance topics. Olivia O'Reilly and Blaze Seifer, welcome, and I'd love if you could introduce yourselves. My name is Olivia O'Reilly. I attend Middlebury College, and I'm 20, and I'm a rising junior majoring in psychology. This summer, in addition to working on this podcast, I'm taking two courses. One of those is a Calculus two course, and the other is a Middlebury summer intern lab, which is focused on giving students real world skills that we can apply to our careers. I know I want to do something intellectually challenging and engaging, which is part of why I'm really excited for this podcast. I'm really excited to learn new things about the finance world and potentially get some clarity on what I want my career to look like. Hi, everybody. My name is Blaze Seifer. I am a senior at Middlebury College, and this summer I'm working at a public VC firm in Burlington, um, Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, as a marketing associate, although I study sociology at Middlebury. So I don't understand the space that well. So really excited to be here and kind of learn learn alongside you um, with Craig and Olivia. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thanks, guys. So what do finance professionals actually do? Now, it's hard to generalize across the whole industry, but just to summarize it in two sentences, I'd say that we use carefully labeled historical data plus some general business knowledge to predict the future. And then we also use sometimes some finance theory to assign a dollar value to those future projections. So now why would we do these things? And the answer is it allows us to value projects and companies. It allows us to create apples to apples comparisons, put a dollar value on anything about what we should do with a particular company's existing resources. For example, should Microsoft have invested in OpenAI for special access to its GPT tool? What is that partnership worth? Did Microsoft overpay or underpay? Did, did they get a great deal? Another question we could ask is how many new stores should Chipotle open next year? Would you rather invest in Verizon stock or AT&T's debt? Would it make sense for Tesla to buy Ford Motor Company? And even assuming they wanted to, could they buy Ford? These are the types of questions that our toolkit will let you answer. By the way, the finance theory component that I mentioned earlier is actually pretty simple. We're going to spend some time on that, but nearly all of the jargon and nearly all the places where people get tripped up in technical interviews lies in the ability to understand all of these labels and jargon that we use and to understand the relationships between these items. So that's where we're going to begin. Today, we're going to introduce the three financial statements using some real-world examples to motivate why we should even care about these items. And quick disclaimer for any finance snobs listening in, we're going to ignore the impact of things like tax in our early examples, but don't worry, we will get to that very quickly. Let's start by talking about you know, what some of the three statements are that people use for evaluating financial performance. There's the income statement, balance sheet, cash flow statement. And we're really going to try to, in, in this topic and this episode, try to motivate why these are the three things that people care about and a little bit about how they work. Olivia, I read an article the other day that said that intro accounting was voted the single most boring class in all of the US and 
in, of, of college courses. And, um, and I think that's because it gets taught backwards a lot of the time where it's a lot of leading with definitions and it's sort of hard, especially if you're a student, if you've never run a business before, it's kind of hard to be like, you know, why is this the way that we're doing things? I don't really have any context. So I want to start with a situation where you agree to do some work, you would sign a two-year contract, you know, you're coming out of school, you, you have full-time job, but it's a two-year contract and they'll, they give you a choice. They say like, you, we can either like pay you every month for two years, or we'll pay you everything you're going to earn over the two years on okay. day one. Like we'll just give it to you all like upfront right away. If you have it, let's say you take all the money up front and someone's like, Hey, like how much, like how much did you make this year and how much are you going to make next year? What would you tell them? Like, would you tell them like, I made like all this money in my first year and I'm like working for free my second year? Or would you say like, would you average it out or like? I think if I was given the choice, I would average it out just because since I chose to take all of the money at the starting point, instead of like having it over the two years, I think I would say I made this much money over the average because then I wouldn't, it wouldn't be fair to say I was working for free because I like chose to get all of the money at first rather than having it like distributed out. And what if you didn't have a choice? Like, would you still say the same thing or like, it doesn't have to be like a technical thing. Just like, what would you prefer? I would average it out again. Yeah. Like I would say that I am earning this money within my like two years, instead of just saying like, I earned this amount that my first year and then my second year will be working for free. Yeah, I think that's and that is exactly how companies feel too. Like they they think that the timing of when you get paid obviously matters for like how much cash is in the bank account. But if you're like trying to like tell people like you know, from a profitability standpoint like or from you know, from an income standpoint like this is how much I made, the time like they probably care more about the period over which they're performing the work than they care about when they happened to get paid. Like you'd feel intellectually weird about saying, I made so much money in my first year and then I made $0 in my second year when you got paid for two years of work. And if you're performing about the same amount of work in the first year as you did in the second year, like you might be inclined to just say like, you know, to average it out. And so that the technical term for what we're doing, we're calling it averaging out, but there's there's a term called accrual accounting, um, not cruel, like mean, like to accrue, um, accrual accounting. And basically there's like cash accounting, which is not averaging it out. It's like literally when do the dollars come in? And then there's accrual accounting, which is you got money at some point in time, but you're really trying to estimate it based on when you're doing the work. Um, and accrual accounting is the main way that companies in the US do their profitability reporting. And they report profitability on a thing called the income statement. And I will I will make the argument that the primary purpose of the income statement is for calculating tax. So basically you do all of your stuff um, and what does the business make? And then you calculate how much tax you owe on it. And then you have your net income is like, whatever you made before tax minus how much you owe in taxes equals net income. In the US, there is like generally accepted accounting principles. So if you hear anybody say like GAAP or US GAAP, it's GAAP, G-A-A-P, which stands for generally accepted accounting principles, which 
references usually accrual accounting is like the common standard. So the income statement, when you hear income statement, I want you to think the way that you estimate taxes and then the bottom line that you'll see is net income or net profit or profit. Those are all the same thing, just different words for it. And it describes how much profit you made after the taxes you paid. But then there's like a different question, which is we just said we're averaging it out. But if all we're doing is we're tracking these averaged out numbers, then we don't always know when we're getting paid, right? Because if all I told, if all I showed you was this, you know, this income statement that showed, you know, $50,000 in year one, $50,000 in year two, and you don't know you like, if that was all I told you, like, not that you had this decision and like, or that they offered to pay you up front, like you wouldn't know when you actually got the money. And so there is a, you know, of the three financial statements, financial statement two was basically born to describe what, what you have at any particular point in time. And so that's called the balance sheet. And it's called the balance sheet because it wants to basically give you a full accounting for what you currently have in your possession and what you're owed and then what you owe. And to the extent that you have more than you owe, which is always a good thing, then they created this thing called equity, which basically tracks how much more you have and are owed than how much you're owed. So if I had $20 of cash and I owe somebody $10, how much equity do I have? $10. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, it's called the balance sheet because the balance sheet always balances. Like if your balance okay. sheet doesn't balance, there is a math error. The balance sheet always balances. And really what it's basically meant to say is like, you know, as you start tracking things like now, you know, so let's say you get paid up front. Um, you now have a hundred dollars of cash. That's an asset. So it counts as it counts as an asset. Okay. Um, and let's say this is day one. You haven't done any work yet. Do you have any liabilities at this point? I'm guessing that you do. Yeah, you have to do the something? work. Like yeah. you you sign a and so basically yeah. like yeah. like let's say you um you know you accepted the you know this hundred dollars or this hundred thousand dollars and you're just like I'm not going to do any work for you now. Then they sue you for breach of contract because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. And then you give them the hundred thousand dollars back is like how that would play out. So okay. yeah, you, you, you have this liability where you owe people work for this money that you've received. Um, and so how much, how much equity do you think you'd have at the point where you've accepted the money, but you haven't done any work yet? Technically wouldn't you have zero dollars equity because yeah you still have to yeah do yeah you have it okay. yeah yeah you 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 accepted a hundred dollars of or a hundred thousand dollars of cash you owe a hundred thousand dollars worth of work and your equity is zero um oh. now let's say you're at the end of this period you've performed all the work and let's say like, you know, in this hypothetical example, you haven't spent any of the money yet. Like you still, you still have it. So like, what, what are your assets now at the end of the two years? Wouldn't it be the a hundred thousand dollars? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, and then what are your liabilities now? You don't have any liabilities because you've made up for. 
the yeah. work that you've had to yeah, do. Yeah, you, you've, you've done all the work. And so what's your equity at the end? A hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So that's, um, that is that is the beauty of the balance sheet is it's basically like your assets are always offset by either liabilities or equity. And the way that we'll think about it is you'll say, well, what do I have? Um, what do I owe? And then equity is the rest, um, is, is the way I want you to think about it. Okay, it makes sense. And the other kind of funny thing with the balance sheet is like, what do you call this stuff? Like that liability that you like owe somebody a hundred thousand. It's like, um, it is, it is something you owe. And I think frequently what people will see is that weird accounts get created on the balance sheet to like solve for these things. So we'll talk a lot more in future topics about, you know, what the balance sheet is and like what some of those things are, but just high level, just bear in mind that sometimes funny little line items will get invented for the purpose of the balance sheet to make it balance. Um, But they're really just ways of categorizing what your assets are and what your liabilities are. So this then bridges us to our last thing. Um, And so the cash flow statement basically reports how much money did you make over a particular period of time? So that's the one other um, maybe like kind of technical thing is like when you hear like income statement, does that imply to you like a period of time? Like if I said like, what is my income statement for today? Like what is my income statement today versus like what was my income last year? What feels more natural to talk about to you? I would say today because. Okay. So like, so tell, tell me about that. So like what in this hypothetical example, if it's like point in time, like from 1159 and 59 seconds to like noon, how, how much money did you make at any particular period of time in this $100,000 example? Out of the like second. Out of like the two, yeah. Out of like the two year contract out of the two-year contract, if you're just taking into account that second, you probably wouldn't have made that much. Yeah. It's like not super yeah. meaningful, right? It's like, it's like some number that's basically zero, but not quite zero. What about a balance sheet? What if I asked you like, what was your cash balance at that second? Could you tell me the number and would it be like a meaningful number? Probably would not be a meaningful number. Why not? Because, well, wouldn't it just be like, you're taking like if you if you just like second. pull up pull, if you pull up your like Bank of America app on your phone you're like how much money do I have in my bank will it be like zero or will it be like the number? Oh, it would probably be like the number. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that so that is the way I, is like the balance sheet you could think of as like at any point in time, what is the current state of your assets and liabilities? So okay. this is sort of like we were talking about like, what does your balance sheet look like right when you get paid but you haven't done any work yet? Okay. What does your balance sheet look like right after you've finished completing all the work? Um, so, so balance sheet is basically like you pull up your bank account and you just want to see what's in there. Okay. Um, versus the income statement, we're talking about like paying taxes for a year, for a month, for a quarter. So the income statement is going to be over time. So if, if you're t- giving me numbers or like information about your income statement, you're telling me like, what was my income in year one? What was my income in year two? Versus for the balance sheet, you might say, what was my balance sheet on January 1st? So now cash flow statement. What do you think that is? The cash flow statement, just how much cash you have 
at like uh, so the amount of time or like how much how much cash you made over yeah. a particular point in time. Okay. So like is it how much cash you made over at a single point in time or how much cash you made over a period of time? Wouldn't it be like over the period of time? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's that's exactly right. And so it's, you know, like how much cash did I make last year? And so we'll we'll pause there um for this topic, but that is basically the motivating reason for income statement, okay. which is how much tax do I owe when I do this like accrual accounting? The balance sheet is what do I have? And the cash flow statement is how much cash did I make or will I make in some period of time? And one of the things we'll talk about later is it turns out that the calculations for the cash flow statement are entirely comprised of income statement and balance sheet numbers. So you you're, you know, you're talking about like, how does my business work? All of that is reflected on the income statement. Um, you know, what is the state of my business? All of that is reflected on the balance sheet. And the cash flow statement is comprised only of formulas that reference balance sheet information and income statement. That does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to check out our website, breakingintofinancepodcast.com, where you can submit questions, join our Substack to stay up to date on new content releases, and much, much more. We'll see you next time.